Hello and welcome back to the Christian Contrast Podcast, where we talk about the ways in which, in which Christ calls us to live differently than the world around us. I'm back here again with Dan. Mm-hmm. How are you doing, Dan? And we're going to be talking about um, purity and the church, and we're going to be this will be our final episode where we talk about it. So hopefully we can begin to discuss where do we go from here. Yeah, I think some good questions have been brought up. Even our last episode, Lori brought up maybe that um, people didn't remain pure before marriage, but they're still coming to church and they hear all these messages of purity. So now what? Yeah. Now what do we do? What is some some good advice from people can begin to have that conversation about where do we go from here? Yeah. Well, and I would first say if, if anybody's watching this um, and hasn't watched or listened to the other ones, um, it'd be helpful to do so. You can still, you're going to benefit yeah. from this, I think. Um, but it was great. Having Jeff on was really great. Having Lori on was really great. I, I felt like we were able to tackle some things that are important. Um, and yeah, I think we, we want to look at this and say, all right, so... What, what are the things that are practical to do if we're going to pursue purity in a way that really has a biblical conception of sexuality, that we're not avoiding sexuality because it's a part of ourselves that we need to shut down, but we're looking to trust God in this, and we're looking to walk in purity, and we're looking to, to enjoy to the fullest what God has given us here. So we want to talk about it like, all right, if, if, you're, if you're single, if you're unmarried, um, if you're married in terms of trying to protect yourself against um, any temptations towards adultery or temptations towards pornography, which is obviously a single and a married issue for for people. So, you know, one of the things that comes up a lot, and I, I know this was a big thing when I was in high school and also in college, was just the whole concept of accountability partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably for people listening to it, some have negative baggage with that, maybe a failed or even a forced accountability relationship. Like I remember, I I thankfully didn't experience this, but I remember a friend talking to me about how their church had sort of like mandatorily split them into groups and given them a group and said, you guys are all accountable to each other. And it just did not work well. Um, I've had some positive experiences with accountability. And the whole concept behind this is the idea that there's other people in the fight with you. Mm-hmm. Um, li- life is a battle. Walking with Jesus is a battle. We have an enemy. There's lies. There's temptations. Um, I, I know it's it's there, there's all kinds of things that are different for men and women in this area, but I know just as men and for any men listening to it, um, most of us know the raging temptations towards lust that get us into trouble with our eyes with you know with the computer mouse where we're clicking on things mm-hmm. um and and uh, in inappropriate relationships so just to talk about what is it like to join with others in the battle so let, we can talk about other things but yeah. maybe let's start there H- have you had some positive experiences with what you'd consider accountability relationships yeah well first i i think this this concept could be new to some people yeah they didn't grow up in the church they didn't go to youth group maybe they came to faith as an adult and people are like, wait, wait, I'm supposed to tell someone all the sin? Right. And is that person going to tell the pastor? You know, you know. I, I think the idea of accountability partner makes sense to a lot of us, but could be foreign. For sure. You know, I think that you did a great, what, you did a great job of defining it. You know, it is someone who, you know, in confidence walks through this with you, um, because they really uh, want to see you get through this sin and support you, but also hold you accountable so that the next time you meet, there's some growth and some improvement. Yeah, I, I think it was it was definitely pre-marriage, young Christian guy. It was a big deal. Other young Christian guys were, were each other's accountability partner in college, um, and you know it, it was 
if there wasn't that opportunity in some type of organized youth group, it was a challenge to find someone who you could be that close with. You know, and I remember, you know, I came into a new church um, as, as an intern when there were some other youth interns, and it was probably maybe a year and a half of a friendship with another guy that we, you know, decided that we would keep each other accountable. Um, I think that it's, uh, it is taking a relationship kind of to a different place, and it's a lot of ways discipleship, where you're really um, having faith that this is going to be what helps you grow, um, kind of trusting that this is uh, going to be a way that in which you can not just uh, improve um, in an area of struggle, but also um, probably kind of mold you and, and, and break you in some sense and that you're going to struggle and fail, but, uh, but you're going to grow through that and someone's going to keep you accountable. Um, I've seen it even after I've been married, you know, get some married guys together and talk about some of the struggles, um, maybe not so much around purity, but just marriage in general, you know, hold me accountable to being a good husband and being respectful to my wife and being loving and, and things like that, you know. For me, they've kind of been temporary because eventually the way life happens, you move away or someone leaves the group because they moved away and the group can kind of crumble in the sense that, right. you know, you've got to start it all over again. So I think that, I think they work when they work, but sometimes it can be a struggle to get a good one going. Yeah. And and I think, yeah, you're, you're definitely right that we, we, a lot of us have probably had experiences that are really positive and other ones that are kind of just okay. Um, I think the whole concept for me, and, and I've seen this in my life and, and seen this in the life of others, but when I think about accountability, it, it, the, the concept would be saying, all right, you know, I, um, it's gotta be driven by the person who wants to grow. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, it can't be driven by somebody else who's saying, I'm going to hold you accountable. <laughs> I see that sin in your life. Right. I want to be your accountability partner, and, so and, you stop. And it could even come with a good heart of saying, I really yeah. want to help you. I see, or, or maybe the person is even fessing up. They're saying like, I am, I'm looking at porn all the time on the internet. I want to stop. And so somebody else comes in and says, great, I'm going to hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, it, man, it's just, it's not going to work unless it's driven in many ways by the person who who needs to get out of the sin or or needs to be free from the sin. There are great things you can do, you know, just just zeroing in a little bit on the internet stuff because it's such a massive thing um, in our day. You know, the, there's different um, sites or software mm-hmm. that you can get where it sends things to an accountability partner so that yeah. they're going to get, you know, pinged if something questionable comes up, yeah. which to me is like, well, that, that's scary. That's also... I think for many, like, that's a pretty good deterrent right there. Yeah. It's sort of like, there it is, objectively out there. Um, that's different than the whole, like, hey, did, did like, were you looking at, you know, that lamppost or were you looking at that woman going by? Yeah. Where it's yeah. like, all right, you can kind of deny, you can kind of, you know, get away with that. Whereas because internet pornography is such a massive pull and such an easy thing to fall into and something where you could be like, hey, I, like, you know, I haven't done this for a long time. And then all it takes is a few moments of weakness to get pulled into it. Um, I think that stuff, uh, the, any kind of software like yeah. that where you share that, that can be really helpful. I just saw a new one. We, we have these Google ads that go out and, and kind of show videos about different things or topics. And one of them was pornography. So I was doing some research because some of the questions were going, I'm struggling with this. I went back to Triple X Church, which sure. like came out. You that know, that was the like the 2000s. Covenant Eyes and Triple X yes. Church were like the, I guess, like the flagship ones. That's right. And I did and some re- yeah. yeah. And they have like a new, you know, it's hard to, to validate if this is helpful, but like a remote accountability partners that you might not know that just mm-hmm. join together 
in a small group that all sign up at the same time and you have like a weekly zoom call right. with these people, you know? And I was like, well, that's one that could work, you know, because, right. because they're removed and they, maybe they don't go to your church. And if maybe if it doesn't work, you know, or maybe you aren't involved that deeply into a church, you know, something like that. I don't think I would have thought of five years yeah. ago. But yeah. That could work. Yeah, it could work. I think for, for me, the heart of this so much is just in saying, um, as as men and women, as we're looking at the area of sexuality and realizing that this is, um, because this is something that's so precious, because this is something that is such a good gift from God, and is something that we all we all feel deeply about. Feel like we we try to we try to we've tried to create a culture where we're casual about sex. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the Me Too movement is is one of the. Um, is one of the evidences of this. We're like, sex is casual, but suddenly when it comes to the Me Too movement, we recognize rightly, sex is not casual. Right. This is a massive violation. This this isn't just even, you stole $5 from my wallet. And so sex is not casual. It's, it's something that's significant to us, and the enemy just goes for it in that area to look to get us off track. So I think it does start by saying, um, I think... There are probably things we can do on a wider scale as churches or as organizations to facilitate it, but it's got to come from a heart of saying, I believe God has my best interests at heart. I believe the call for purity is not, um, it, it's a call to self-denial, but but not long-term self-denial. It's, it's a call to my long-term good for some temporary self-denial. And so for us to approach it and say, where do I need partners in this? Um, and again, we talked, uh, the internet thing to me is a, is a huge way to start, especially for men, but I know sometimes for women also. And then I think like you, you just kind of move through the different stages and say, all right, there's, there's stages of life. And some people that right now it's like, all right, you're, you're single, um, either because you've never been married or because, you know, you're, you're divorced now. And so you're, mm-hmm. you're on the single scene, maybe you're dating and you're trying to figure out in a culture where, uh, sex is treated as, something that's not scandalous outside mm-hmm. of marriage. How do you set up your life where you're not going to fall into that? Um, like I, and it's fine, I, like an old fogey now, I'm 41, but I remember when Karina and I were dating um, and before we were married, uh, I lived in an apartment with five other guys and Karina and I had made an agreement. We will never be like somewhere alone mm-hmm. together. And so we were never in my apartment alone together. One time, because I had five roommates, it was rare that there wasn't anybody else in the place. But there was one time where they were all out and Karina and I, we had come back to the apartment, I think after a church service and we were gonna just hang out and play games. Nobody was there. So we like took a table from inside the apartment, brought it out onto the balcony out in front and we were playing cards out front when they all got home and they all all thought we were ridiculous. They were like, you guys are so dumb. And the funniest thing was they were like, you guys aren't going to do anything sort of like you love Jesus. You guys aren't going to do anything. We were like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like we are very attracted to each other. We're in our early twenties. Like we might've even been engaged at the time. Like we're already kind of thinking about marriage and how great it's going to be. What, like why in the world would we believe that this yeah. wouldn't be something that we would do given too many opportunities to slip into it? For sure. Um, so just to think through what are the ways that, that we're setting up, appropriate boundaries um to protect ourselves just to say man you don't want to be you don't want to be in a position where 600 times within two hours you have to say no mm-hmm. you want to mm-hmm. put yourself in a That's position right. where the no's are rarer because you're more rarely in the position where it's a real possibility for you to act out in a way that you don't want to act out 
Yeah, I think it's good for us to acknowledge that things are going to have to change in your life if you want to go from a place of kind of sin struggle in this area to purity. I, I've talked to people, you know, uh, young adults or even adults who are, are dating and they're like frustrated that every relationship ends up kind of in a sex relationship way too early. Right. But they keep looking for their boyfriend and girlfriend in the same place. They keep going to like the clubs or whatever. Right. Like you know, they come across somebody that are like... Um, wow, it seems like that's all they care about. Like, When's the last time you looked for someone at your church or, or whatever <laughs> whatever it might be? And they're like, well, I don't know how to change my lifestyle. I don't know how to change my rhythms or the way that I've fallen into relationships or got into relationships. Or even if it's, you know, personal sin struggle with pornography, I, I don't spend less time on the computer or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, I am I willing to sites. take big steps, right. you know, to treat this? I mean, you know, Paul talking in 1 Corinthians 6, flee sexual immorality. You know, if you read through Proverbs, especially 5, 6, and 7, you know, there's one part, I think it's in chapter 6, where Solomon says something like, can, can a man have burning coals in his lap without getting burned? It's a pretty vivid idea. Like, mm -hmm. you are messing with big things with that. And so that is, it, uh, what, what you're saying is absolutely true. Um, I think so many times, whether it's with pornography, whether it's with um, the idea of uh, an unmarried couple that's like, no, we're going we're, we're gonna to abstain, but they keep finding themselves in bed together, to say, what, like, what are the extreme measures you'd like, you need to take? It, it certainly, it starts with just our spiritual formation before the Lord and with saying, I have a desire to trust you and to walk in the way that you're calling me to walk. But then to say, how how silly are you willing to look to the mm -hmm. people? Like, and and all my roommates at, at the time in the story I told, they were all believers in the grand scale. They were all on our team. It wasn't a big point of shame. But I know for some believers, probably now even more so, um, to take extreme measures where they're like, you're not even willing to go to your apartment alone together and and share a meal. Um, you know, you're staying away from these things. You're, you know, you're, you're only kissing and you're not doing other things. You could end up just feeling like I, I look like a freak to my friends around me. Sure. And there's an, a level of even shame. We talked about shame in the last episode, but of, of unwarranted shame that you take on by looking to live a pure life. And the cost is there. The cost right. for the extreme measures is there. We've got to ask if we're willing to pay that cost. Yeah. And there's probably a fine line and a balance between, you know, when you talk about looking a fool in front of your friends, like working with students for a long time, you know, there was an often, often conversation, like, are your friends the ones that are leading you down this path that making you feel ridiculous if you want to abstain, you know, are they encouraging you, right. maybe motivated by shame to participate in some of the, the sins that you don't want to, you know, and it's like, obviously it's easier to tell high school students because they're surrounded by so many friends, just get new friends. Right. But, but there's got to be some truth to that and a fine line between, you know, how much uh, shame are you feeling from your friends because you want to do the right thing versus shame because you know it's the wrong thing from God. Yeah. And I remember like having, as a young, young 20s, being kind of concerned, like kind of the, the drinking scene. A lot of my family were alcoholics, you know, and mm. I thought that maybe you a few drinks you slip into that. And then about after five or six years, I kind of felt confident. I was like, I don't think, I didn't surround myself with people who thought it was okay to drink until you get drunk. And so I felt confident that like they wouldn't let, I wouldn't just fall into that. Right. It wouldn't just be like one day right. I'm, I'm drinking casually at a brewery and the next day I'm an alcoholic. I'm so scared of that because the people around me would have issues with me drinking too much. Yeah. So maybe surround yourself or try to with people who would have issues if you're going on a trip alone with another 
person of opposite sex that you're not married to. Right. You would have a question about that instead of just like, no, that's normal for you guys to go to Vegas oh, for yeah. the weekend. No, I, I think that's a huge point because that even gets more broadly. You know, it's it's sort of like the concept, the the very formal concept of accountability partner. It's like, all right, that that's a kind of new thing. I still think it's a thing that can be very valuable. But just, you know, Proverbs talks about the whole, you know, if you're a companion of fools, you suffer harm. And I think that's what you're getting at there, just that there's a right. broader sense in what is what is normal in my context. You know, if we're getting more broad than just the, the sexual purity, you know, like if I'm, you know, the, the friends that I have in my life, and I'm so grateful for this, um, if I was hanging out with any of like my five friends— <laughs> I, I don't think of myself as having many friends. Five, but is, I, a, five is a good amount. Five, five is a good amount. If I'm hanging out with any of them and I start complaining about Karina and just, you know, oh my gosh, like she's so difficult. If I started doing something like that, any of those friends would start pointing me back towards, well, what is God calling you to do as a godly husband? They would not enable my right. whining. Those are good friends. Right. There's other friends or there's other people that I could be around that would inflate, yeah, you shouldn't have to put up with that. Yeah, um, do whatever makes you happy. Yeah, do whatever makes you happy. So I think you're really right in that, just the idea of, are you having the kinds of friends, especially if, if you're in the single scene, are you having the kinds of friends that as a man, you know, are like, well, how far did you get? Right. Or are you having the kinds of friends that would be not okay with the idea? What are you guys doing? You guys are putting yourselves in harm's way. Right. Just even that, that positive social pressure of the people of God that I think... It yeah. goes back to Proverbs with don't be in a companion, companion of fools. It goes to Ecclesiastes with the two are better than one. It goes towards the body of Christ where we find our identity with the people of God and the norms for us as the people of God are different. And so just the idea, like I I know for me, and, and maybe I might be a little less given to social pressure than the average person. I, I don't think dramatically less, but um, when I was when I was dating Karina, it was weird culture-wide that we were waiting, that we were saving sex towards marriage. Right. It was not weird in my social sphere that right. we were. That made it so much easier because right. I'm like, all right, I know the statistics, but for my, you know, whatever, 12 best friends, they all think this is a good thing to do. Right. And that that made it much, much easier for us to follow through I with that. I think that's a good point, especially since the cultural norm is to take sexuality so casually that that's a good barometer. If you're struggling with this, you're like, I need to make changes. And then you look around and you're like, I don't think anyone around me would think it's a big deal right. that I want to abstain or that I want to be pure now at this point or that I want to honor my marriage and, or whatever it is. You know, that's, you said, we're going to have to make drastic changes. Um, you know, some of these people might even be in your family. Not that you avoid talking to them, but you mitigate their influence hmm. in the way that you want to live and the way that you want to, grow closer to God and honor what God wants to do. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I used to tell, especially young people, it's going to be really hard for you to grow beyond your friend circle Absolutely. and where they're at in the way that they're living, because there's going to be little motivation and little uh, examples of what it's like to live a godly life. Yeah. And I think that, it, you know, just on a practical level, and that's where it's like, hey, if you're listening to this as as a high schooler, man, that youth group is going to be so significant for you. For sure. And I thank God for my youth group. It was it was huge in my life. Um, if, if you're a college student, to say, like, all right, well, get get around a college Bible study. Get around, you know, if you're on campus, there's probably a college Bible study there. At our church, we have we have a college group that gets together. Um, if, you're, if you're more kind of like, all right, I'm just a mainstream sort of adult, and get into men's Bible study. Get yeah. into women's Bible study. Get into a life. You know, singles can be part of all of these things. Married people can be part of all of these things. I think like it's 
some of us make friends quicker than others. That yep. it, it doesn't mean as soon as you show up to Bible study, you're going to have this great group of friends that you're going to be doing everything with. But man, put yourself in a position where you say, these are the people. Like I, I remember a distinct point my senior year of high school where um, I, I like to hang out with um, a, a group of friends at school, um, mostly the guys who I played water polo with. And then I also really like to hang out with my youth group friends. And there was a distinct point my senior year where I felt like I had to decide who I was really going to throw in my lot with. Mm. Um, it didn't actually end up meaning I totally abandoned the water polo friends. Like I still was around them, but I really looked at it and said, what do I want to be like? Who do I want my influences to be? And thank God I chose the youth group friends and it was transformative right. for me. Yeah. I, I often think who, who is God calling me to transform into? Yeah. You know, what, what is my next right decision? And I think, I think often we have to take it kind of one step at a time. You know, I think maybe if you're struggling in these areas, how often are you reading scripture around these things? How often are you reading other Christian authors sure. and what they have to say about how to be pure and how to honor marriage and how to honor God's plan for, for your sexual life? You know, it, if you're kind of avoiding those things because you, you're, you're sensing that it's going to be a difficult challenge for you, um, I would think you've got to make one right step in that direction for those for you to see some growth. Yeah. For sure. Well, well, let's at least, be, before we finish, let, let's at least spend a couple minutes on this, because this is something, you know, the um, Song of Songs talks about, one of the images it talks about is um, we, we need to stop and sort of drive out the foxes that are ruining the vineyard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and in the image, I think the main thing that he's getting at is there are threats to the purity of the marriage relationship. Right. So let's talk, so, so we're a couple of married guys, we're, we're talking about this. Um, let's talk about accountability within marriage, just in terms of we already kind of talked about pornography, I feel like, whether you're single, whether you're married, that that's a common thing. Um, but just in terms of saying, how am I protecting myself against in my body and even in my heart beginning to wander away from faithfulness to my wife, faithfulness to my husband in this? Um, Karina and I have some things that, that we've set up that we feel like have served us really well, but I don't know if you and Stacy um, have some things that you guys have purposefully done just to say, here are things that we're doing to protect the the purity of our marriage. Yeah, I, I don't know if we have set rules. We, I was in youth ministry for so long. There were so many kind of guidelines. Like the girl side hug. Right. Never be alone with with someone of the opposite sex, you know, in a car, things like that. We still, we still live like that yeah. just because and she works with college students, and so they often come over and we have similar rules. I think one of the things that, have, that, have, that I learned um, early on in the marriage, and I, I've even mentioned in this podcast, is that, you know, marriage is not to make me happy. God uses it to make me more like him. And so when, if I were to begin to have the thoughts of, of unfulfillment or wanting to, to wander, um, I have to remember that marriage daily is a sacrifice for the needs and desires I might have in that moment um, to honor the promise that I made to my wife and the promise I made to God. And I think that that's a core foundation that all married people should have, but definitely Christians. And I see... I see how easy it could be if you think marriage is all about you, and when you're unhappy, then the marriage isn't working, how easy it would be for sure. to wander and look for something else. And I think that, I wouldn't say it's too late, but if, if, if at that stage, then you're looking to mitigate um, who you're around, but you haven't necessarily changed the way that you view what, what your marriage is for. And so I, I think uh, we we are, we... we do marriage counseling almost every week. And hmm. we, it's a great time for us to share uh, with each other how we're feeling, but more specifically, kind of some of these needs things. And, and one of the things that uh, our counselor tells us is we often have to um, 
look at the other spouse and tell them, this is the story I'm telling myself. Right. How I'm feeling. This is what I'm feeling from you. This is the story I'm telling myself. Um, is that what you're projecting? And that often leads to conversations about um, feeling unfulfilled and feeling unloved and how that person's actions might be leading to that. Um, those kind of conversations need to happen daily. For sure. So that you honor the commitment. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, all, all the stuff you said, I, I, I agree with, like I'll even rattle off and, you know, I don't want us to get caught up in rules, but I'll just say like, I think that there are things that are, have become more common, um, that to me are crazy. Um, like I, like I, you know, I'm, I'm never in a car alone with, with another mm -hmm. woman, you know, um, that there may be a couple occasions and I always cleared it with Karina. All right. That this person asked me for a ride to work, mm -hmm. but we don't do that. The idea of, of me as a married man, like going to lunch with an, another woman, to me, it's insanity. I'm like, yeah. that that's crazy talk. The idea that I would be like leisurely texting with with a woman who's not my wife. You know, there, there are times where like, I got to text somebody for business, like Lori, mm -hmm. who was on here, I've got to say, hey, do we have childcare for this event? That's fine. Yeah, but not an ongoing conversation. The leisurely, just sort of like shooting the breeze. To me, I'm like, this is insanity. And right. and part of it does go back. But what you were saying, I think, is so important. It's sort of like the the best way to protect um, the purity of, of our marriages um, is not just simply avoiding all of these bad things, but drawing near to each other proactively. Right. Um, and I think even within that, we've got to recognize as men and women, we're going to have vulnerable moments. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a time where... You and your spouse, you have a fight, you feel unappreciated. You know, the woman's like, he he doesn't really know me or care about me. The man might be feeling like she doesn't really respect all the hard work I do. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that's it's the classic. And there's some secretary, there's some ex-boyfriend, some ex-girlfriend. Yep. There's some, for a man, you there's, some, social media. there's some woman who just thinks you're the best. And you're yep. like, my wife should think I'm the best, but she thinks I'm the best. Just to recognize there are vulnerable moments like that. We've got to draw near towards each. We, we've got to use those moments to say, I'm going to move towards my spouse and I'm going to move towards the Lord. Because as you said, marriage is a great gift from God, but it's not ultimately in its purpose to just bring me temporary pleasure in the right here and now. God has bigger things at yeah. stake in what he's doing. And the best marriages, we partner in that, in shaping each other. Um, but even if our spouse isn't partnering with us, God is still at work in that. Yeah, and I think that's that's such a great way to look at even the sexuality within marriage. I mean, I remember, you know, being a young guy, wait, waiting for, you know, uh, waiting until marriage to have sex, experiencing a lot of unfulfillment over the years, you know, yeah. and having those expectations, you know, that I had as a yeah, young teen. Yeah, this didn't pay off. Yeah. Like, this was supposed to be the best thing ever. And <laughs> that's right. We don't know right. what we're doing. Yeah. And then even, like, even when we talk about period, even, I think, you know, you could get that from the way, the previous conversations that we had. Like, it's going to be good because I waited right. no matter what. And I think that, um, God has other th plans even within that to grow us, you know, and I, I remember an older guy, you know, telling me kind of struggling with that unfulfillment and the frequency going, well, what if God is just simply teaching you patience? You know, I was like, oh man, <laughs> he's doing a really good job of yeah, that. Yeah, he's, he's really doing it. <laughs> yeah, man, I haven't learned patience until I was married, you know, having to wait or whatever, you know, having to, sure. to sit in that unfulfillment. And I think that um, that's way different than our culture would say. Not not just is sexuality for you and casual, but that even marriage is really to right. make you happy. And then if you're unhappy with that, you don't need to necessarily have to fight for that. Yeah. And this, yeah, I, and this is good. And I would just encourage anybody listening to this right now, 
um, especially if you've listened to all four of these episodes, just ask, ask God the question, what is the thing I'm supposed to do? What is the next step? Is there accountability? Is there a moment? Is, is there confession of saying, I need to deal with this? Is there seeking healing over a past failure that's really haunting you in some way? That there is profound grace and healing in this area. And there's also so much power in the, in the realm of sexuality that it's worth us spending what might seem like a disproportionate amount of time talking about it because it does have huge power in our lives for great joy and also for, for great difficulty. So yeah. I, I just encourage, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this on the, um, on the Facebook page, leave a comment, leave a thought, leave a success story or, or an idea that might help somebody else as they're pursuing purity and pursuing healing and growth in this area. And uh, this is probably a topic at some point in the future we'll revisit. Yep. Um, but until then, thanks so much for taking the time to watch or taking the time to listen. And we'll see you in the next episode. See you then.